0: Welcome everybody to FitPro Podcast. My name is Jane Warren from FitPro, and today I am absolutely delighted that we're going to be speaking with Dr. Linia Patel. Now, many of you will know Linia. She writes regularly for our FitPro magazine and our FitPro blog, uh, and has several short online courses on our online education platform. So whiz over there as there's a multitude of topics and they're all very, very popular. So um, welcome, Linia. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jane. And I always love our conversation. So looking forward (laughs) to chatting more about protein today.
0: Yeah. So it's just that you just led straight into that. I was going to say one of the things we um, are going to be talking about is protein and protein powders, obviously a hot topic in our industry. Yeah. You know, should you, shouldn't you? But before we launch into the actual commentary on protein powders, um, then can you just brief us on protein itself? Like, why does it matter? You hear a lot about, you know, high-protein diets, you know, low-protein diets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Can you just bring us up to speed on protein and why it matters so much in our diet?
1: Yeah, no, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic question. And good to start with. So protein is essentially what we call a macronutrient. So we have three main macronutrients, carbohydrates, fat and protein. Now, the special thing about protein is, is that it's an essential macronutrient. What I mean by that, um, Jane, is basically if you think of protein, I think of protein like Lego. And then you get all the different pieces, which are the amino acids that build the protein together. So there are 20 amino acids and nine of them are essential. And that basically means that there are nine amino acids that our body just cannot make. The others it can probably make from other food sources, but it just cannot make these nine and we must get them from our diet. And so it's important to make sure that we're eating protein, particularly because we get these nine essential amino acids. And then if we just step back and say, okay, well, we got the amino acids. Now, why is it good for us? There are a number of reasons why protein is good for us. The first is around appetite control. So because protein is a complex molecule, it's these amino acids put together, it's actually quite hard to digest. And so it's really, from a nutrition point of view, a good nutrient to have because it keeps you fuller for longer. Um, And so this is the idea that actually if you start by having some protein in your breakfast, including protein in your breakfast, and that's very often where people I find in my clinical practice don't include enough protein, is they're going to stay fuller and not necessarily reach for that cup of tea with a digestive at 11 a.m. because they're gonna be full right till lunch. So it keeps us full of longer. It has a role in appetite control. Then one that I um, tend to obviously come uh, across a lot, and I know fit pros will too, is this idea that it's involved in weight management and body composition. Because if we think about body composition, it's basically how much muscle or fat do we have? And muscle is made out of protein. So if we're wanting to lose weight, We want to make sure we're losing fat and not precious muscle because muscle is metabolically more active if you have more muscle on board your metabolism is higher and so ensuring you've got enough protein in your diet means that you're protecting that muscle should you be wanting to lose weight and if on the other spectrum you're wanting to grow muscle then actually, we know that muscle is protein. So you want to include protein so that you've got the building blocks to build more muscle. So I'm a sports nutritionist as well. And I also know the importance and the role of protein in sports nutrition, particularly for recovery, because when you exercise hard, and when you fit pros are training your clients hard, and they get DOMS or delayed muscle soreness, that soreness is actually because there are little micro tears in your muscle. And so what you want to do from a nutrition point of view is provide your body with the right nutrients and building blocks protein to make sure that you've got that repair so we've talked about appetite control weight management sports nutrition recovery and one probably that is not mentioned enough but you know coming off the fact that we had covid um a couple of years ago, protein is also vital in immune function because our immune cells are actually also proteins. And so their proteins form the building blocks of antibodies as well um, and hormones and DNA. So a number of different roles, but I think I've highlighted the main ones that are relevant to the fit pros.
0: Yeah. And so when does it make sense in, in saying what you've said there, when would it make sense to include uh, protein powder? I mean, I know personally, exactly having spoken with you before about this, Um, I include a protein powder quite often if I'm having a breakfast shake or something like that because uh, otherwise, you know, I'd have my piece of toast or whatever and I wouldn't get my protein and I've changed that. Um, But when in, when in in your view does it make sense to include them?
1: Well, Jane, I am a dietitian, so food first all the way for me. So, And I can't emphasize that enough. So protein from whole foods is always king. And that's because we, we know that we find that um, whole foods are superior any day to any supplement out there because um, when you get the protein in a food form, it comes packaged with other nutrients, vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, that basically you can't replicate um, and, and I'm going a little bit off, off track, but just to, to show you the point that the structure of food changes with processing. And this obviously means that we're still getting the nutrients like, you know, the protein and the protein powder. But for example, if I take almonds and I ground my almonds, I love using ground almonds in some of the cakes that I bake. But ground almonds, I get 30% more calories than if I just ate the almonds whole. Okay. okay. So I think the message that I want to get loud and clear is always try and get your protein intake in first through food. But I'm totally open to the fact that, you know, whole food, while it's best, is not always possible to meet your protein needs all the time. And ultimately, people tend to want to use protein powder for two big reasons. One being convenience. Um, You know, people just don't have time, perhaps, you know, FitPro is going from one client to the next client to sit down and eat a full meal with a chicken breast or a piece of fish, you know. So there, if they have done training, if they're wanting to make sure that they've got enough protein coming on board, they might want to reach out for something like a protein protein shake. Um, another transition is I tend to find now, you know, we're more conscious perhaps of, uh, you know, eating more plant-based. And so if someone is transitioning to a plant-based diet, they're struggling to get yeah. enough protein in total, perhaps there is a role there for a protein shake to, you know, as a bridge to them learning how to get all the protein in completely. And then the, th- the, the second big reason I tend to find when I'm working with clients is in terms of appetite. So for example, if I'm working with um, a fit pro or, or an athlete who, they're just trying to get the protein in. But, you know, after training, they're not necessarily that hungry, but they need to get the nutrients in quickly for optimum recovery. A protein shake might be convenient for that. So my, my big message I want to get is that, um, you know, protein powder is not a nutrition essential, but it's yep. a useful tool.
0: Okay. So uh, hearing loud and clear what you're saying, obviously, whole foods first, but you do feel that there is a place for protein powders.
1: Yes, there is. If you know, you're again, not leaning on them for you're not going to get you're not you don't have poor nutrition habits and you're using it as a crutch. But absolutely, in terms of convenience and getting the right delivery of nutrients in there, um, there is
0: definitely a place for it as a support. So what would you look for in a protein powder?
1: Well, it depends, right? Because, um, you know, not all protein powders are going to be equal. Some are definitely better Mm -hmm. than others. And it's a mind feel out there. And at at the end of it, I always want you to remember we're all individuals. So we have unique goals, unique physiology and preferences. So, you know, you might like a protein powder, Jane, that that doesn't work for me. And so it's all those things that um, we need to consider. But I guess, in essence, the things I'm going to be looking at is, protein That's the first thing that we're talking about. So, you know, I want a quality protein in there. Now, quality protein means it needs to be a complete protein. So it needs to contain all the 20 amino acids, especially nine of the essential ones that I talked about, because that's essential for switching on that protein synthesis, which builds our muscles. So that's not a problem, really, if I'm looking at um, our milk protein blends. That would be our whey protein um, or our casein, because they, you know, animal protein comes completely complete it tends to become more of a problem if I'm then going for plant protein powders because plant proteins other than soy are not complete proteins okay so what I'm going to be looking for is a complete protein if that's an animal protein source that I'm going for that's no problem if it's a plant protein I'm either going to go for something soy because that's a complete protein or I'm going to go for a blend so that might mean something like pea and rice together, or pea and hemp. And that's because, um, Jane, pea protein, for example, um, it's rich in all the amino acids, but it's a little bit low in one called methionine. But rice, ironically, is high in methionine and low in lysine. So if you match the two together, you've got enough of the nine essential amino acids, which then means that you can make muscle from it. So I'm going to be looking for a blend as well. Then there's other things. So we've talked about protein. Then we've also talked about, we haven't talked about, but I probably want to bring you into the idea that if you're going to go for a flavored protein, it's likely to be sweetened. Yeah. And so sweetening protein powders, they can either be sweetened with nutritive sweeteners. And what I mean by that, and very often we see things like coconut sugar or perhaps brown rice syrup. Um, And so those are more natural, inverted commas. But obviously, if if you're conscious about losing weight, you don't want to have something that has got a lot of sugar. So you're always going to be looking for a protein powder that's got five grams of sugar per serving. Other types of sweeteners are non-nutritive sweeteners. And that would be things like stevia, sucralase, aspartame, <laughs> or, um, you know, things like that. They don't come with calories, but, you know, and Jane, my PhD was in sweeteners. I'm really interested in, in this. And is, a, is that if, if you're consuming sweeteners habitually, what the science is now showing is, is that that might not be optimum for your gut health and i've got a fantastic course out there nice plug on gut health um on um, the FitPro platform but what we know that our gut health is the basis and the fundamental thing that we've got to get right for our overall overall well-being and what we're seeing is is that uh um habitual intake of sweeteners has an impact on that balance of good and bad bacteria which means that when we don't have optimal gut health, and so I'm not I'll, I'm I'm not partial to actually sweeteners to uh, protein powders that contain lots of sweeteners myself. If you're using it habitually, if you're using it once a week, no problem um then the other the last type of sweetness is something called sugar alcohols so things like sorbitol mannitol and um, urethral now these they're um you know they don't have as many calories as something like coconut sugar um and perhaps they're not as detrimental to our gut bacteria like your stevia um but of, but the, for some people who get bloated a lot
0: or who have irritable pal these <clears throat> can aggravate that okay so wow there's a lot to take in there um uh, I mean, our our um our community would of, often be asked by their clients um, around protein powders. So, I obviously they would need to be careful in what they're recommending. But how do they choose the right protein powder for them, and how would they advise um clients on on that same basis?
1: Yeah, well, I I go back to the idea that, you know, there's no right or wrong here. It's about preference and it's about context of how much of it you're actually using um, a day. Now, in general, um, the quantity in terms of protein intake that for me would be fine would be between uh, 20 to maybe the top end of 50 grams a day. Now there's no hard and fast rules, but if you're consuming more than 80 grams of protein a day, that isn't necessarily a good thing. Now that's because if you're consuming 80 grams of just protein powder, that's excessive for most people because it displaces food sources that perhaps come with the vitamins and minerals that I was talking about. So I think always in context of how much exactly you're using. Then I'd go back to, okay, you know, I would be advising that you look for a protein powder that for me is quite simple it's got the protein and I choose whether I want it to be animal-based or plant-based, making sure that it's a complete, whichever way I go, then I would want it to have minimal other ingredients. So I've talked about sweeteners. So, you know what, you've got to make sure that that the protein powder tastes good. (laughs) Otherwise you're not going to use it. Right. Uh, And so, and so this is why, you know, the companies put sweeteners in there. So I would probably say I would be advocating more for something like your coconut sugar, or your cane sugar, than actually artificial sweeteners. If I'm using it habitually, because again, it's that idea that artificial sweeteners put that pressure on your um, gut microbiota. And one thing I haven't mentioned is the other stuff that comes with protein powders, Jane, like thickening agents and emulsifiers and um, anti-clumping ingredients. And what's really interesting for me here is there's been a lot more research done. So basically thickening agents and emulsifiers basically make bread softer, and they make our shakes creamier because no one wants a protein shake that kind of clumps all together, right? You want it to be nice, easily mixed and, and, uh, and uh, consistent. And so if you have a lot of thickening agents or emulsifiers, what the science is showing now is that actually that adds a level of further inflammation and uh, distorts or disrupts your gut bacteria even more. And I was thinking about this this morning when I was washing the dishes, because if you manage, when you're using dish washing, um, what is it called? Liquid. Liquid, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that complicated <laughs> word. Um, it, and it becomes soapy. So that's almost what an emulsifier does. If you imagine that soapiness is what happens when you um, ingest foods that are containing emulsifiers, and it basically thins out the protective lining of your gut, um, your intestine, which means that your intestine is more likely to become is more likely to become leaky, which is obviously not what we want. Now, I don't want to scare scaremonger you know our fit pros to think, oh my goodness, I don't want any emulsifiers in there. But it goes back to <clears throat> How much of them are you consuming? So if I'm just having a protein shake once or twice um, uh, a week, that I've got these emulsifiers or thickening agents in, and you know, thickening agents will be things like uh, you know your xanthan gum your gar gum inulin you know and then emulsifiers will be things that i can't even pronounce pronounce like carrageen or lethicins or lots of e numbers those are basically the things that i would be saying i would be definitely looking for more a protein shake that doesn't have a long list of those things and i'll just be keeping it to protein um maybe if it's flavored uh, some sort of nutritive sweetener um and stopping there you know yeah. but then what you get is there's lots of additional um ingredients that are added to protein powders which are sold as Wow, look at our protein powder it's also got branch chain amino acids well if it's a complete protein powder it should yes. already have branch chain amino Absolutely. acids in so you don't need to add those in as well it might have some creatine it's got omega-3 fatty acids digestive enzymes and probiotics and what's interesting is in the research in sports science research all the work is done just looking at your protein protein powders not with all these other ingredients added into it so i'd almost be wanting to be clear cut get a protein powder which is just a protein powder and if you want to do the creatine if you want to do the branching amino acids use those fine but separately not kind of all in one type of mixes
0: yep okay makes complete sense um you've used a lot of terms here which um people may be or may not be familiar with whey asin uh you mentioned pea protein yeah um i know isolate is another a term that we would come across can you explain all of those and how they fit into this conversation
1: yeah so maybe let's um let's talk first around um, the whey and casein concentrate hydrolysate, and then i'll go to plant-based protein so basically um types of protein powder are processed differently so if we think about the least processed that would be it could be a whey or it could be a casein okay and that would be something called a concentrate which basically has about it can vary in terms of how much protein it's got it's about 35 to 80 percent protein and it's thought to be slower digestion and then the other then you move to an isolate which has got a little bit more protein in it Faster digestion and then a hydrosylate which has got the most amount of protein, probably the most expensive, and is thought to be faster digesting. So, you know, to be honest, Jane. I wouldn't be, for the majority of the fit pros and the clients that we see, I wouldn't be getting myself bogged down into whether it's a concentrate or a hydroslate or an isolate, because I think it's more around total protein intake and how it's split out across the day. If I am working with my high-end elite athletes where, yes, we're even chopping a jelly bean in half to make sure they're getting that level of carbohydrate, then perhaps I might be saying to them, okay, I want you to really focus on getting an isolate and a hydroslate because that faster absorption is, is, is king. So I would say, you know, if you're looking for a milk protein blend, Probably go more for a whey protein than a what well, whey protein because it's faster faster digested and absorbed than a casein, and so that's why traditionally whey is used straight after exercise, whereas casein might be used before bedtime to kind of because slow digestion so it keeps our amino acid levels nice and uh, level throughout the overnight fast. um But in all of that, Jane, and I haven't mentioned this is. If I'm looking for a good brand, I'm going to be looking for a brand that I would consider having a third party test. And that basically means that um, we know that it's not contaminated and it's got good manufacturing practices. And so there are certain logos and brands um, that can show you that that product has been third party tested. And in the UK, it would be something called informed sport. Or informed choice in um the in uh, the states it would be an NSF International certification so that basically just means you know what it's a good good quality product it's got that third parties testing it's got what is what it says on the tin is that yeah. it, it's, it's, it's got that okay does that yeah. answer your question about yeah um, it,
0: yeah it does but um but it also takes me on to my next one which is um the whole argument about plant versus animal protein i mean obviously for some people animal protein is, is out of the question yeah, um true. but but what's the difference really between the two apart from the obvious how how would you differentiate them well,
1: from a um, how do they have an impact on muscle synthesis, which is basically how we make muscle, there's not that much difference. And that the science shows that in terms of whether you consume whey or soy or what's really important is that it's a blend. So um, if I go back to the idea that in a plant protein, um, you basically don't have all the essential amino acids and that's why you have to mix. So you, in, if you're going to choose a plant based protein powder, then I would say you, your choices are either you go for a soy because that's a complete protein already and you can just have a soy shake but some people might not like that and some people might find that the, the soy is an allergen at the end of the day so it might not work in terms of um, some people's um, tolerance so then they might want to choose something more like a pea or a rice or an hemp and what I would say to that is To get the maximum benefits of that in terms of muscle synthesis is you want it to be mixed. Always go for a blend rather than just a pea protein in isolation or a rice protein in isolation okay and again then then you know with that, whether even if it's plant-based i'm still looking at making sure that it's got the right type of sweeteners not too many other added emulsifiers and additives as well so quality is still really important whether i'm going to go for a milk protein blend or whether i'm going to go for a plant protein
0: yeah and you're still looking for that third-party checking regardless. Absolutely. um just a, just a quick sideline there so if i was for example taking a pea protein but i mixed in my smoothie i had it with a soy milk oh Just nice that- yeah, do we like that? <laughs> oh, Jane, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Jane, <laughs> I have taught you well. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> exactly. We
1: go. Brilliant. No, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, the, the key thing with plant-based eating is the variety. Um, Can Cannot emphasize that enough. So a very diet means actually along the day, you're getting all the different um, right nutrients. So totally, that's very right. If you're, you're mixing it with soy-based, um, uh, soy milk,
0: then totally, you've got the yeah. complete protein there. Yeah. Fantastic. So, how much protein powder is too much? I mean, we talked about protein grams of protein earlier, um, but how does that how does that sort of dive down into how much protein powder we should be taking?
1: Well, um, I would say that for me, um, what the science shows that actually, if we have from twenty to twenty five grams of protein after we exercise, that delivers three grams of our branched chain amino acids, which is what switches on our muscle making ability. Okay. So we don't, you know, so this is what sometimes I always uh, snicker at is the protein shakes say, oh, make sure you take 50 grams. Well, actually I can start protein synthesis if I just take 25 grams. And so I would say a good number for me would probably be between 20 to 40 grams a day. I wouldn't push it more than that because it comes back to the idea that if I take more protein on board um, through protein powder, I'm not getting the vitamins and minerals that could come with other food based sources. And for me, because ultimately that's what feeds our gut bacteria, I'm going to be wanting that balance. It always comes down to balance, Jane. So I'd say yep. 80 grams per day would be my maximum because maybe, you know, some of the fit pros maybe split their doses and they take 40 in the morning and 40 uh, in the e- afternoon or evening. So I would say that for me would be my top end. Okay. There's, and that is the actual,
0: that
1: is
0: grams of actual protein. That's powder.
1: grams of actual protein. And, you know, that's not a hard, fast, you know, recommendation that is in, you know, written in, uh, in the science. But for me, from my clinical practice, I tend to find that that would be yeah the cutoff.
0: Um, so talking protein powders, I know that you've you've talked about emulsifiers and sweetness, etc. Are there other ingredients in protein powder that we should be aware of? No, I would say I think the most
1: ones for the, the biggest ones for me are what is sweetened with? And what are the other additives that tend to come with it to kind of make it smoother, creamier and have that double chocolate chip sensation when you um, when you consume it? And then, you know, sometimes what I tend to see is that protein powders, as you say, come with other things like creatine or branching amino acids. Um, And I would be trying to be a bit more purist about it. Get my protein powder just for the protein. If I want the other things, I'm going to be quite specific with how I use them.
0: And. If I was to uh, be choosing a protein powder, I'm, I've heard what you've said about you know the ingredients and look that it is still complete. Um, how else can we know that it is clean or safe? Or the other the flip side of that is what things should we look at and then avoid? Yeah, I would
1: come back to the idea that I would be saying um, third-party tested is always good because, you know, it comes from a reputable source. It's not going to be contaminated. Um, I would make sure that I've got that protein quality in there, you know, um, in terms of either if I'm just using P, like you said, then I know that I need to mix it with other stuff to make it complete. And then I would just be saying, you know, what is it sweetened with? Ask yourself that question. And then what other E numbers are added to it as well? No problem if it's just, if you're using it once or twice, a week but if it's a habitual thing then i'd be wanting you to go um, for something you know it comes down to the fact jane that you wanted to have as few ingredients to the list as possible
0: yeah as clean as possible possible. i do i do hear uh and in fact we get a lot of protein powder um samples sent to us um and asked to try and asked to review and we you know we usually share it out amongst us and We will try them. Um, And it's interesting that with some of us, um, we might have a reaction to it, like it just Mm. upsets our tummy, causes bloating, uh, makes us uncomfortable, and yet same protein powders and others will have, um, you know, no issues at all. So, you know, what do we consider with um, digestive issues around this? Protein
1: powders. Very good question. It comes back to the idea that, you know, we're all individuals so at the end of yeah. the day, you've got to choose a protein powder that you like and that works for you. And so with digestive health, there's probably a couple of things that might be causing it. It could be that it's the milk protein at the very, you know, initially. So it could be that perhaps you're reacting to the fact that it's a whey protein. And so you might be better off than using a plant based protein. If I then choose a plant-based protein and I find that it's still causing it, it might be because it's sweetened with perhaps some of the other sweeteners that might be aggravating my gut that I mentioned. So it might be yeah. the sweeteners that are affecting it. Um, or the, also it might be some of the carbohydrates based in the plant-based um, uh, protein compounds like, for example, pea is like likely to be cause more bloating than perhaps soya would. Um, and then I would say the third would probably be, goes back to maybe all the additives and the added ingredients perhaps because they're aggravating or promoting um, inflammation on a gut uh, gut health basis. So again, I think it's trial and test and it's, it's nice that yeah. you get samples because it means that I don't have to buy the entire two kilograms and then find <laughs> yeah. out that actually it bloats me. So I think, yeah, the idea that you, you try out and see which one works is, is good for you. I mean, personally, I tend to, you know, I do have a protein powder in my cupboard that I use that I add to different things. And when I tend to go for something that is more unflavored, so the less it has got in it the more the less likely it is uh, to kind of um, aggravate yeah. my gut yes.
0: yeah um lini i have exhausted my questions that has just <laughs> been like a bit mind-blowing actually and, and incredibly informative um is there anything that you feel that you need to add that is going to round this off um i'm pretty happy with the questions i've asked i can't think of anything else because it's that's just been so informative
1: no Jane smartphone. um I think it's been a, a fantastic conversation I hope I've covered um all the questions and I hope I've made it quite clear um, in terms of how to navigate the protein world and I probably would just end off with I think something that I said in the middle of the podcast which is around the idea that you know food first um, protein powder yeah. is not a nutrition essential but for us active individuals and us fit pros it is a useful tool um, and then it's about navigating that world with us for ourselves and our clients and remember one size never fits all it goes back to the fact that we are individuals and so your goals your priorities are important to take into consideration because it means that actually, you know, a brand that I'm very married to might not work for you, Jane. So it comes back to it's a personalized uh, nutrition
0: world and it should be after all. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Linnea, thank you once again. It's always such a joy and so informative. You've got so much information in there and and you get it out so articulately. So thank you for your time. And um, I look forward to meeting you next time.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jane. And I can't wait for our next conversation.